friends, and welcome to another episode of Fat Flips and Maple Dips, episode 97, coming at you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. I am Justin Anderson, out in Halifax, Nova Scotia. We've got Patrick March joining us. Patrick, the Blue Jays in the playoffs. Tell me how you're feeling. Do you remember a couple years ago, there was that, um, that streamable link going around? With Danny Valencia <laughs> saying, God damn it, God I love it. God damn it, I love it. Yes. <laughs> God damn it, I love it. Yeah. This, I, I, can't I was looking for that gift the other day and I couldn't find it. The God damn it, I love it? Yeah. It's not hard to find. It's oh, ref- it's referenced frequently in the Blue Jay subreddit. I just don't remember what the four digits are. It's like C2E5 or something like that. For like short link, okay. For streamable, I can't remember. Anyway, it was it's referenced all the time <laughs> on the, the J sub subreddit. I'm sure we could find it if we we dug it up. But man, I did not predict this. No, you did not predict this. No. Uh, <laughs> Clayton predicted it, but he did. Uh, I mean, and Open I mean, day. <laughs> he was he was the one who uh, who had the right idea. Under, you know, good circumstances, the team would get hot and we'd be able to do it. Um, since the last time we recorded, the wheels kind of came off the bus a little bit, but... Yeah, we're it, not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to... I don't... I mean, I don't want to pretend like nothing bad ever happens uh, when it comes to the Blue Jays, but we... It's not that we didn't record because they were playing bad. It's that we had so much scheduling problems. Uh, and then I got hit with a hurricane. Yeah. That, that uh, that made things even more difficult. I wanted to wait until we, we clinched. And, of course, after losing those, what was it, six games in a row, it just took us a while to do so. Um, I was hoping to clinch either in New York or in Philadelphia, and then we could have recorded, like, four or five days ago. But here we are <laughs> on Friday the 25th going into the last weekend against the Orioles. Truly a, a meaningless series in the sense that we don't need to win any games to stay in the playoff race. Um, we'll talk about some playoff scenarios here shortly about where the Jays could finish if they like win all their games, their teams lose every game. We'll get into a little bit of that, as we love to do when we, when we get together for these shows. But the first thing we really want to focus on today is a 21-year-old, 5'8", 265-pound man from Tijuana, Mexico. That man is Alejandro Kirk. Now, if that sounds like a really short, really large man to you, you would be correct. That is indeed a very short, very large man. And he hits rockets, man. Like this kid, um, he's actually older than Vladdy, which they mentioned in the broadcast. They didn't really put into perspective just how young Vladdy is. And we'll also talk about him here shortly. But Alejandro Kirk is an eight, has come up from A-ball. Is younger than Vladimir, or is older than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Is five foot eight, 265 pounds. He's a catcher, and he hit his first home run to right field, which really, really got me going because I'm like, you know what? If we can get this catcher who hauls ass around the bases, <laughs> those little legs, like that kid trucks, man, and he can hit the ball to all fields. We've seen already his plate discipline. He didn't come in just swinging at everything. Like he he could teach Bo Bichette a thing or two about swinging every pitch. Um, 
the kid's awesome. Like, what, what are your th- first thoughts on, on this kid who came up from A-ball? I remember at the beginning of the year, we spoke about the depth when it came to catchers. Right. And I was of the opinion that we should carry three catchers or at least have one on the taxi squad, which is what we ended up doing. We had Caleb Joseph. Mm-hmm. And when I, I think it was off microphone, I said to you guys, what about Alejandro Kirk? Do you think he'll get a shot? And then you very correctly pointed out that the highest he'd ever played was high A. Yeah. And even though he had, you know, he had performed quite well in high A, he was only 20 years old when he did that. So he was only 21 years old. No MLB experience, right. no double A experience, no, no triple A experience. So we just kind of dismissed it as like not happening. But I guess at some point between March and, you know, his debut, <laughs> which was like a week and a half ago, um, there was some sort of meteoric rise. And I don't I don't really understand it. Maybe you can shed some light on it. I, I don't know where it came from. It It's not like super surprising, but it is surprising considering that we already had high hopes for Danny Jansen and Reese yeah. McGuire. They clearly failed to perform at the plate. Look, so what happened was... What had happened was Reese McGuire played himself off of this team. I don't think Alejandro Kirk really played himself onto the team. He His numbers last year put him in a position that if one or both of Reese McGuire and Denny Jansen struggled mightily, which they have, to be frank, uh, Denny Jansen has showed some signs of life here lately. Obviously, his defense is still great. Um, the, all the pitchers love working with him. But Reese McGuire had three hits in 45 plate appearances. Alejandro Kirk had more than that in his first game or first two games as a 21-year-old coming up from high A ball last season. And it's like we haven't seen guys come up from from lower levels before. Lourdes Gurriel made his debut from straight from double A. Of course, he was a little bit older, having played in Cuba and defecting, but still, he spent some time in double A and then came straight to the bigs. And if not for his case of the yips last year, he would have never played a game of triple A other than a rehab assignments. Um, we've seen other guys do it uh, in, in the big leagues and over the course of history. Hell, guys used to come into the big leagues at 18 or another draft uh, as, as late as like 10 or 15 years ago before the minors got so, so large, I guess, before teams started having seven or eight teams in their system. Guys would just come straight. The top draft picks, they'd come to the big leagues. You look back at some of these old stats, like Albert Pujols, Adrian Beltre, guys like that. They don't even have minor league stats because they didn't even play there. They came straight to the bigs. Um, we don't see that anymore. We see all these kids coming out of high school who allegedly, quote-unquote, need this time in the in the minor leagues to to develop. Whether or not they do or not is, is a topic for another time. But Alejandro Kirk isn't, isn't special in that regard, but he's special because of how young he is. And how well he played in the minor leagues. For a catcher to hit as well as he did, like he hit three uh, or 288 last year in, in uh, an a high A ball, the WRC plus of 153. Like that's bonkers. Like he's not a power hitter, but he's he reminds me a lot his bad ball profile of Vladdy, right? We'll talk about Vladdy too, but guys who hit like line drives all over the field. Not a ton of fly ball, not a ton of home run power, but power to all fields for extra bases. Which, if you can get a catcher like this who can hit the ball to all fields, 
walk as much or if not more than he strikes out, which he did, by the way, at every season in the minor leagues, walked more than he struck out. We've seen him take a couple already in the bigs. Uh, and the pitches that he's struck out on, good breaking balls. I mean, the kid's going to see a lot of breaking balls because everybody knows that that kids in the minors can hit fastballs. But I've, I've really loved what I've seen with him so far. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a very small sample size. And I, like we're obsessed with in-depth statistical analysis at BFMD. <laughs> but when it comes to watching him play, he's just the most like unassuming... Like you, you look at this guy and be like, you know, he's just another one of the juicy boys that we got on the team that we know <laughs> probably hit for power, but he does truck around the bases and yeah. he's shown a level of competence at 21 and poise at mm-hmm. 21 that I, mm-hmm. I didn't think was, I didn't think it, it, it existed. Yeah. Apparently it does. <laughs> and it's Alejandro. It's Alejandro. Now, before we get into playoffs, let's let's just talk about Vladdy here too. Let's keep it on the train of of guys who hit screaming line drives. So, there's been so much criticism for Vladdy since he came up to the big leagues last year. Like so much criticism everywhere on Twitter, Reddit, in the news, wherever you talk about it. He's not hitting enough home runs. He's not hitting 330. Um, he hits the ball into the ground too much, which I'm guilty of criticizing him for. Or maybe he does hit the ball into the ground too much. But the thing with Vladdy is that he's never been a really big home run hitter. Like the most home runs he hit in a minor league season, you have to go back and, and look at uh, 2018. He had 20 home runs across 92 games uh, in 2018. Um, that year too, uh, just to put into perspective, he had 27 doubles that season and one triple. So he's a, he's a doubles machine. I'd say more so than a homers machine. He's going to take his walks. He's not going to strike out a ton. Like his strikeout rate is half of what Teoscar's is. And he walks more than him. Just put that into perspective for people who think people don't hit enough home runs. This guy hits screamers all over the place. I pulled some of his uh, baseball savant data from StatCast. So Vladdy ranks in the majors 21st in average exit velocity at 92.4 miles per hour, 19th in hard hit percentage at over 50%. And he's actually sixth in batted balls uh, that have an exit velocity of 95 plus miles per hour. So the problem in quotation marks for Vladdy is that his launch angle is only 4.8 degrees on average. That's not very far off the ground. That means he's hitting like line drives, low liners. We've seen him hit a couple of balls like off the fence where he got held to a long single because he hit them at like 110 miles an hour off the wall. And nobody, not even like Billy McKinney, maybe Billy McKinney, or not Billy McKinney, Billy Hamilton, sorry, is going to get to second on a 110 mile an hour rocket off the wall. Like. <laughs> It's pretty yeah. hard to do that when you're hitting the ball at like 10 or 15 miles per hour harder than the pitch came in to outrun it. Like it's it's just not going to happen. So I, I think we need to lay off Flatty a little bit, temper our expectations, maybe adjust said expectations. I think Flatty's like average season, if we look at him this year, like he's hit uh, eight home runs in uh, 57 games. So if we project that, like almost multiply it by three, right? That's like 22-ish home runs over a full season. He plays about 150 games, uh, about 90 RBIs. Like that's a, that's a great year. 
but he's going to hit 40 doubles, I think, in a good season. Um, So I think people just need to kind of chill a little bit. He's not going to be a home run king. This guy isn't isn't his dad. He's not going to hit 40 home runs a season, but he's going to hit for average. Like, I think he could hit 320 once he gets this thing going. Like, we've seen him over his last seven. Like, what are his last seven stats, Patrick? 435 or something like that? Like, just bonkers. Yeah, 435 with yeah. a home run eight RBI, 10 hits. He's definitely locked into something. His slug yeah. in the last seven games is 783. Yeah, <laughs> it's got over a 1200 OPS. Like, what's what's the problem here? Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be launching piss missiles all <laughs> over the all over the field. Like, I'd love to. See, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'd love to see his, his the spray when it comes yeah. to his contact because it's he's not a dead pull hitter. No. He does not do that. Uh, And also, with regards to the launch angle, I actually, it's the most telling stat out of everything we have. And if his launch angle was increased even by like two or three degrees, which I know is like, I can say that, but it's like the practical application of it is bananas. But say if it were to happen, and he was able to improve his launch angle, which would probably just mean some adjustments to his swing. Mm-hmm. He would hit 30 to 40 home runs a season easily. Like yes, yeah. and that's the thing is like he's he's 21. Yeah, he's younger than Alejandro Kirk, guys. He's 21 <laughs> years old. How old was Vladdy Senior when he when he played his first uh, professional season uh, oh, with the Expos? Uh, 100 billion years ago he was 21 so yeah right now he's the same age as what his dad was when he played nine games and his dad hit 185 in those nine games granted the, he did hit 302 the next season but yeah. <laughs> by, by the time that um vladdy senior was able to really have like an mvp caliber season he was 23 yeah and his numbers he hit 324 and he 38 dingers his numbers, his first two seasons, look almost like freakishly similar to Vladdy Jr. The they have the same is, WRC plus. Yeah, same. Put it that way. Same ish average. One sixteen versus one fifteen. <laughs> if we if we looked at like um, if we overall looked at like his first 180 games versus Vladdy Jr.'s first 180 games, they're going to be relatively, relatively similar. Relatively similar. But the the power wasn't there yet. Uh, his age 23 season, that's when Vladdy Sr. really started to turn it on. He hit 38 home runs, and he never looked back. He didn't hit yeah. uh, he didn't hit under 25 home runs again until his age 34 season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Vladdy's birthday's in March. We'll see him. He'll be 22 coming into spring training next season, uh, March 16th. So right in the middle of camp is when his birthday is. Yeah. He's um, going to be fine. He's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, the kid's going to get a good offseason. He looked really like he was in good shape in spring. And then the lockout happened. And, and I think that screwed with a lot of players. That screwed like, with look a at lot of players. Injuries. All the in- Yeah, exactly. It's not. And Vladdy's been healthy all season. He's played in all but one game. Um, yeah. And he even pitched hit, that, pitch hit in that game. Like he's played in all 57 games this season that we've had. One of the few guys to do so. Um so I, I don't think that what's fair to criticize a guy who has a 115 WRC plus. He's been 15% better than an average major league player. Yeah. Um, 
and it's only going to go up from there. Like he he's improved the majority of his batted ball metrics. Um, yeah, his WAR is only 0.2. That's just because of his negative defensive WAR. We'll see Vladi be a better first baseman next year. He's he picked a couple really nice ones last night. He made a great play where he was ranging far towards second base and threw out the runner at second because um, that's all they were ever going to get anyway. So he made a good play to do that and ended up getting out of the inning with only giving up one run. That was in the Anthony Bass inning last night. Yeah, and he, yeah, he literally just changed positions at yeah, age he's, twenty. He's played. He's played like forty. Like what's his games this season? He's played thirty-three games at first base. Yeah. In the big leagues, in a shortened season where we didn't have a full, um, full practice regimen for him because he didn't know he was switching until we got to spring. I so. would say like by the end of the season, it's I think it's still statistically possible for him to have a 270 season. Oh God, he gets like, four hits today. He's going to have to be over 270. Well, what I'm what I'm trying to drive at <laughs> is that this is we spoke about this before. And before he even stepped foot on a major league baseball field, most people agreed 270 was his floor. Yeah. And he's already hitting 270 right now. And where he's exceeded expectations, I would say, would be his on base, uh, his ability to draw walks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's had some strikeout problems early in the season. But it's like this is a freak season. There, We can't. There, there's not enough like Luke Voigt is going to lead the league in home runs. Yeah. When this season's over, he's he's going to put that trophy up on his mantle, and that'll be the <laughs> only thing there for his entire career. And it's like congratulations, you led the league in home runs in a 60 game season. Like it, I and I know that's like why why the drive by on Luke Voigt. My point is just that there could be statistical anomalies and there could be freak situations this season because. Look at all the guys who got injured. Look at all the guys who had cold starts. Even Lourdes Gurriel Jr. had a rough start to the season, and he's currently hitting 297. Yeah. So, Tawaz is the same way. He was in the low 200s, and then he ended up hitting 280 before he got hurt. Like, Yeah. it's just it, This is one of those years where we just got to be happy with where we are, frankly. Like, this, this team... You look at the injuries we had to the rotation, Hunjin Ryu has been the only constant in terms of quality that we can expect every time. Um, Matt Shoemaker, when healthy, has been great. Hopefully he can stay that way. Man, we, we the, the poor guy, man, he's just one of the nicest, nicest guys I'll ever know, and he, he just doesn't stay healthy. But Tanner Roark has been a nightmare. Chase Anderson showed flashes. He looked really great in that game when he came in and, and was the bulk guy after the, after the starter went out. And same with Ross Stripling, too. Didn't look great as a starter, but looked great the other night in, in, in bulk. And I think having Stripling and Anderson in the playoffs, they're going to be great behind... One of them's going to be great behind Shoemaker in probably game three. Because we'll have Ryu, Walker, and then Shoemaker for four or five, and then maybe a bulk guy for three or four innings. I think it's going to be... It's probably what they're going to do for that third game. And and having and having Stripling under control for a couple more years is huge for us because I think he's got a lot of potential to be, if not a fourth or fifth starter, but but a great guy to piggyback behind an opener if we choose to go that route. And if they can somehow figure out Robbie Ray's um, just command, like his his slider is just incredible. It's among the top sliders in baseball, but he's having a hard time locating his fastball, which 
is not going to help you go a long way into, into into games. But we're not here to talk about pitching right now or to talk about these guys. We can worry about that in the offseason. But let's get into playoffs. So the Jays are in, as we've, as we've said. Now, the American League is pretty much set in stone. So the Angels are the only team outside, the, outside looking in with a shot right now. They've got 26 wins. They need to win all three and have Houston, who has 29 wins in their division, lose all three of their games to have any shot in hell at getting in. Um, outside of that, there are a bunch of things that could happen. The seeding isn't set up yet. Um, Minnesota could still pass Tampa Bay for first if they win all three and Tampa doesn't win a game. Um, the White Sox um, could still pass the Twins. They're a game behind them in the Central the Yankees can't catch Tampa Bay, so they're locked into that second place. Of course, the Blue Jays could tie and potentially pass the Yankees if they win all three against Baltimore and the Yankees lose all three against Miami. And then Cleveland could still pass both Chicago and Minnesota in the Central. That division is still up in the air in terms of who's going to finish one, two, three. But it's looking like the Jays are going to play Tampa or... Minnesota. If the season were to end today, we play Tampa Bay. It'd be three games at the Trop. Blake Snell, Tyler Glasnow, and Charlie Morton or Kevin Cash's starters in the playoffs. Yeah. Those are tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Oakland uh, has four games in hand. Or they have four games left to play. So they have a game in hand on Tampa. If they win outright, right. Tampa loses outright. That's true. So Oakland isn't a hundred percent out of first place possibility. In fact, yeah. they're more likely to do it than Minnesota because they have the extra games. Right. Well, I don't know, man. I guess maybe not necessarily. I but... think Tampa Bay. Well, Tampa Bay's got to win one game, and then that's not a conversation. But yeah, yeah, I think but first is pretty much wrapped up for Tampa. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, I mean. The, the Mariners are done now. They got eliminated yesterday when we clinched. And the only reason that the Angels are alive is because they won to stay three games back of Houston with both teams having three to play. So it's too bad they're not playing each other because that would have made it really interesting, but they're not playing each other to finish. I would have loved to see that, <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, no. Um, and yeah, then, then obviously the Central is going to wrap up this weekend. It could come down to the last game unless Minnesota just wins every game. Then they'll be in. But yeah, I mean, there could be some shuffling. But in terms of in terms of teeing up a series, we, we can't concretely do that yet. We won't know probably until Sunday, maybe Saturday night, who the Jays are playing. And then we'll have uh, our, our playoff preview episode probably on Monday before the series starts on Tuesday. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of get into the, the playoff preview then. Here's a um, question for ahead. you, some yeah. food for thought. All right, so here's our position. At worst, we're going to be in eighth. At mm-hmm. best, we could potentially be fifth. Yeah. I don't think I, – I think it's mathematically impossible for us to get any higher. Yeah, it is. Um, it is not mathematically possible for us to get seventh because I think Cleveland – Unless we beat Baltimore, like, really, really badly. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have to, like, slaughter them. Yeah. Um, I think it's statistically improbable that we would finish in the seventh seed, although it's, it's not impossible. But this is a galaxy brain moment. Would you rather finish fifth or finish eighth? 
when it comes to matchups? And does it really matter? Because the top four teams, I think there's a huge gap between the top four teams. Well, maybe top five, you include Cleveland. Like, I don't think New York, I don't think the Yankees are that great. I mean, they're getting, they're obviously, they've had a mega improvement, getting guys back in their lineup and all that. But I don't see them as contenders. I'm I'm actually more comfortable being in the eighth spot because I really do not want to play Cleveland or Chicago Mm -hmm. or Minnesota if they happen to fall from grace. I don't yeah. want to play any of those teams in the first round at all. And I definitely don't want to play Oakland in the first no. round. So my thing is, is that if the, the Yankees need to get fourth because they are terrible away from Yankee Stadium. They're just, they're not a good road team. They're, I think, six or seven games under 500 on the road and 14 above at home. It's brutal. So, yeah, that's that's a thing. <laughs> and and then you look at a team like like yeah like Oakland or Minnesota or Tampa those teams are just good anywhere. Uh, I think the White Sox have a chink in their armor. They've kind of done like what what the Jays have had, which which good teams do is they beat the bad teams and have like a middling record against the good teams. Yeah. So I, I think if out of the top four teams who are going to have that home playoff series, I think the White Sox are by far the weakest. There's a clear gap between Tampa, Minnesota, Oakland, and the rest of the American League. I guess you could throw Cleveland and maybe in that top four. I think Cleveland's a better team than the White Sox. It's because of the rotation, though. Yeah, exactly. The rotation is very spooky. Like it's scary I, good. Yeah, I, I'm i more afraid of Cleveland's rotation than any of these rotations mm-hmm. above them, including yeah. Tampa's. And they don't have Clevenger or Bauer this year, and they're still good. Like it's, I know. They just um, churn out these starting pitchers who are just elite talents. Like Shane Bieber is otherworldly right now. He's He's got to have an inside shot. He must have the inside track on MVP as well as Cy Young. It could happen. Yeah. Let's, be, let's go. I love seeing that. I love it when a pitcher wins MVP. Yeah. So it's not that I like hate batters or anything like that, but you just love to see it. Because it All means right. like he, he was that dominant. <laughs> for sure. Let's go National League. So the Dodgers for a long time have not only had a playoff spot clinched, but first place locked up for like, it seems like a month now. Uh, they've got four, 40 wins already in a shortened season. So they're, they're, they're going to lock themselves up. But they, the worst winning percentage they can finish with is 667. So that's pretty good. Um, Atlanta is right now in second place. They have locked up the uh, the East, so they're going to be locked into one of those top three. The Cubs could still pass the Braves for second place if those teams lose and win out. Um, the Padres have clinched the playoff spot and are in fourth place right now, um, and they cannot be caught by the Giants, so they're locked into the into fourth. Outside of that, the Central is still up for grabs. So the Cardinals, because of all their COVID, have only played. Uh, 54 games. I think they're only playing four games this weekend. I don't think they're going to get, they're not going to play a full 60. They just can't mathematically do it. Um, so they're not going to get a full 60 in. But if the Cardinals can win four games this season, they could tie the Cubbies for total wins and they would actually have a better winning percentage as well, too, if yeah, the Cubs lose out. Um, Miami is in there at 29 and 28 right now in the second spot in the East. Obviously, the Braves are locked up there. Miami needs to win, I think, two games to to beat up the Phillies. Um, 
outside of that, the the Reds, man, they are scary good on their rotation. I I've, we've said it all year long. Um, if I'm a team in the if if I'm Atlanta right now in second place with all the injuries to their rotation, I am dreading facing the Brave or facing the Reds in, in the first round because they're gonna throw Trevor Bauer, uh, Castillo, and uh, was it Sonny Gray at you. They're gonna throw three great pitchers, and that's trouble. Like Trevor Bauer pitched on three days rest yesterday and threw eight innings and threw a complete game in eight innings. So. <laughs> Yeah, on three days rest with like 12 strikeouts or something stupid. The guy is a free agent this winter. He is going to get paid. He deserves to get paid. I don't know if you've listened to Trevor Bauer's stuff on like YouTube or his podcast or anything, but it's actually pretty good. Like The guy speaks his mind. I love uh, athletes who do that. I used to not like Trevor Bauer until he kind of like went out and got a new agent. He has a female agent uh, who is hilarious on Twitter as well. I can't remember what her name is for the life of me right now. But she's super funny on Twitter. She always re- quote retweets his stuff, and it's like I, t- I told him not to say this, but he went ahead and did it anyway because <laughs> he's, Trevor, he's Trevor fucking Bauer. But outside of that, like the Giants are hanging on to that final wild card spot at 528 wins, 28 losses, and then below them we've got four teams, two of them with a shot really. Like the Rockies are down at the bottom. They have 25 wins. They need to win out and have the Giants, Phillies, uh, Brewers, and Mets lose out. The Mets need to win out as well and have the same thing happen where the teams ahead of them lose. The Brewers need to win at least two out of three, more likely all three to get to 30 wins. Actually, they have four games still, the Brewers, sorry. So they can still get to 31. Um, so they have a pretty good, decent shot. They got a game in hand on a couple of these people. And then we've got the Phillies at 28 and 29, who could still finish as high as sixth. They could still get, or even fifth, I guess. They could still get to second in the East. Um. There's so much in the National League. This happens every year, whether it's a 60-game season or 162. The National League comes down to the last game of the year. Uh, every year, without fail. But if you had to pick, so teams from, uh, let's say, St. Louis, Miami, Cincinnati, San Fran, and down on the standings, who who gets in? What are the, what are the four teams out of these eight teams that are alive that get in, Patrick? I think that the standings are going to remain the same, except I think that uh, Miami's luck is going to run out. Really? Yeah, and I think that Philadelphia will get in just from the willpower of their their rotation as well as the willpower of Bryce Harper. Fair enough. I mean, the the Marlins are playing the Yankees at Yankee Stadium, so I would... I wouldn't. That's tough to bet against the Yankees at the Yankee yeah. Stadium. But also another thing to consider too is like I don't know what they're going to do with the, those extra two games. Is it official? They're not going to play them. They're only going to play. Oh, I'm I'm looking here. I'm trying to find out what's happening with the uh, with the uh, Cardinals. So the Cardinals they're only playing. They're playing two games today. They're in top six right now. They're actually losing three nothing to the Brewers. And then they do play a second game um, right after tonight. So that'll give them two games. Tomorrow, um, the Cardinals and Brewers play once. And then on Sunday, uh, I'm just trying to find it here. There's so many games. They play again once. Monday, 
there are no games scheduled. So there is only three games, three games left, or, or four games left counting today for the Cards, and they're losing the first one. Man, the Brewers have to win. <laughs> if the Brewer, yeah, if the Brewers win both games today, They'd that'll put the them at twenty-nine and twenty-nine, which that's an that's an enviable position considering that Philadelphia, I mean Philadelphia is twenty-eight and twenty-nine, San Francisco is twenty-eight and twenty-eight. Either one of those yeah. teams lose today, and Milwaukee can sweep the doubleheader. Mm-hmm. It's also going to do some damage to St. Louis as well because that means their winning percentage will go down to five hundred. Yeah. Also, so like, nope. The the Mets the Mets and Nationals do play a doubleheader tomorrow, um, so that's a thing. So the Mets do have two games tomorrow because it was postponed today due to rain, so they they didn't play today. So this, they're not going to move in the standings, but the Mets are going to have to win both of those games against the against the Nationals tomorrow, and they have Scherzer and Anibal Sanchez that they're going up against, so it'll be tough to win both. And they have the Mets haven't announced their starters yet. But they play the Nationals all weekend, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Honestly, like the next, the next like four days are going to be not even four. It's the next three days are going to yeah, be an absolute Sunday gong show for the National League. It's kind of too bad it's not like that in the American League, but at the same time, I'm, <laughs> I'm glad I, it's not. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm like I'm glad that we've got the wild cards oh, locked up. I I'm gonna say that Miami will drop out. Philadelphia will rise and I'm not going to say anything else. Cause like, I don't know. I, I want to see what happens okay. with that doubleheader. The Milwaukee doubleheader is very I'm, interesting. I'm predicting that the uh, Reds are going to pass the Cardinals for second in the central. They'll finish fifth. Oof. I think the Cardinals get the wild card, the top wild card spot at seventh. I do agree with you that Miami falls out. I think the Yankees are going to sweep them. I think that the, the brew are the Brewers are going to get in. I think oh, the Brewers man, are going to get the eighth spot, and uh, San Fran's going to fall out. So I think it's going to go Cincy five, um, St. Louis or sorry, Cincy five, uh, Philly six. I think they're going to get second in their division. They're going to they're going to come up and pass Miami, and then it's going to be um, St. Louis seven and Milwaukee eight. That's that's not going to be possible though because they only play oh, each other four games, right? So oh, damn. <laughs> so if Milwaukee, like say for example, if Milwaukee goes three and one, yeah, then they'll be thirty and thirty, and that might be enough to get them eight. But sure. that means St. Louis will finish at twenty-eight and thirty. Okay. So they'll be a, okay. So well, don't you mind can't me. have Just your cake and eat it too. Well, we'll see what happens with these games today. <laughs> uh, we'll have a really good clarity after tonight, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to see what happens with this doubleheader that's happening with the, the Brewers and Cardinals. Yeah, you're right, because they, they are. I didn't even clue that they're playing each other. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, the Jays are playing Baltimore, of course, these last three. So we'll see what goes on in, in that series. But the last thing we want to get into today is picking our, our MVPs for, or for the season, for the Blue Jays, anyway. Um, so, Patrick, I'm going to let you go first. And who's been your Blue Jays MVP? Well, I did a lot of thorough analysis on this. I went really deep into the statistics. Uh, really, I spent hours and hours going through all the numbers. You took two screen clippings, but come on. <laughs> yeah, I took two screen clippings. Here's my, here's my thing, okay? 2015 and 2016, the main reasons why our team was so good 
and the reason why we were able to maintain a, a hold on playoff spots was because we had a strong rotation and we had an uncontested ace. So my yeah. my uh, nomination for uh, Toronto Blue Jays MVP for 2020 is our ace this year, Hwanjin Ryu. He was just absolutely he was everything that we paid for. Everything and more. Um, it was it's too bad that it was a 60 game season because I fully believe that he's got enough gas in the tank right now that he he easily easily could have kept this going and done the full like 33 34 starts mm-hmm. and he would have just continued to pile up the wins for us he was just so good um his walk rate almost doubled which a lot of people did predict and it was correct in that we did see an uptick in general i think on walks overall and yeah well speak though like you said before the the three true outcomes thing if thing is starting to come true more and more but is his home runs per nine went down his home runs uh per fly ball is down his era only went up by a slight amount a lot of websites including fan graphs were expecting his era to balloon up to close to four yeah which didn't make any sense to me like how does how does how do you explain that um, East. <laughs> it, i would have thought but- but he was but able because the schedule changed. We didn't play the American League East all season. We got 40 games against them, of course, but we also saw the Nationals. We saw um, the Phillies more. The so teams that, that don't have as deep of lineups as the Red Sox and Yankees. And but, Rays. It, but like when he did play those teams, like he, he was good. Yeah. Thumped them. Yeah. Uh, his FIP 3.01 is uh, on par with the last two seasons before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, his war share is on par with what it would have been over a full season compared to last season. He yep. he was just everything that we paid for as an organization and more. He also led the team in war share as well, which means yeah. based on wins above replacement, which I know was like the fancy stat that everybody likes to talk about these days. He was our war share leader, which means he was our most valuable player when it came for to wins mm-hmm. above replacements. So, and one other thing, too, that I love about Hwanjin Ryu is his K rate is so high. It's 26.2%. So out of every, like, what, four guys he faces, mm-hmm. one of them's going down. Yep. One or more is going to go down. His yep. walk rate is only 6.2%, which, again, is reflective in the other advanced statistics I mentioned. But right. he generates a lot of ground balls. He doesn't generate a lot of fly balls. Man. Uh, so many like, base hits that he gives up are on the ground. They're like just squeakers to the infield. They're just meaningless. Yeah. I remember very early in the season, I was complaining in the, in our chat, uh, the BFMD <laughs> chat, about, man, he's given up a lot of hits. It's really bothering me. What happens if, you know, uh, shit hits the fan and he starts giving up, you know, muffins? And he, it never happened. It yeah. was never It was never a concern. And when it came to, like, the the long term projections from Fangraphs uh, based on like preseason projection, it just became very apparent that he was everything that was advertised. Hundred percent. No, and I, I think you're. I think you you pick a good one here. We, we're not. We don't. We're not where we are without him. Um, no. The fact that he was able to anchor that top of that rotation. 
um, deliver seven, seven out of 12 quality starts. And there were a few inning, few games where he went five innings that were very good. Just you have to go six to get the quality start. Um, yeah. Yeah. We were not where we are without him. I think we've, I think we won like eight or nine of his 12 starts as well too, which is what you want to do from an ACE. So yeah, great pick. Um, I went a different route. I went position player. I didn't want to pick the same guy as you. I think for, for you is kind of like the, the obvious choice. Yeah, um, I, I think I, I was think, being yeah. lazy. I was yeah, lazy with him. With with, without uh, without Tay Oscar missing ten days, I think he would have been my pick. But I went with uh, I went with Kevin Biggio. Um, I just actually received my new blue Biggio jersey in the mail this week. It's 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 awesome. I'm a huge fan of the new blue. Um, and I picked Biggio just because of what he's brought to the team. Like the guy has played in uh, five different positions he's played second base right field third base center field and left field and he's dh'd once so he's played in five different defensive positions he does everything you want him to do like keegan matheson had tweeted out like uh, oh yeah kevin bidger is going to play in center field today because it is a position on a ball diamond um he can just play anywhere he could probably catch if we needed him to like if joe panic is our emergency catcher this year and he's not on the team next year perhaps maybe bishop becomes the emergency catcher follows in his daddy's footsteps who knows but uh the guys he's played in every game this season there's been a couple of games where he started on the bench and come in as a replacement or a pinch hitter later on but he's hitting 250 249 he's got an on base of almost 375 because he walks 15% of his plate appearances, Patrick, which is among the league leaders, he is leading the league in terms of the lowest chase rate. So he swings at pitches outside of the strike zone the least amount in all of Major League Baseball. The guys who are right behind him, oh, a guy named Mike Trout is right up with him there. So he's in pretty good company when it comes to plate discipline. In fact, you could say he's the best in the league right now because he is. Um, we've seen a lot of pitches that were maybe just biting the black that Kevin's got called balls just because of the fact he's built up this reputation with the umpires already 157 games into his big league career as a guy who doesn't swing at bad pitches. Oh, and he still hasn't been caught stealing. He's 20 for 20 in his career, which just means, again, baseball IQ is through the roof. Um, he's a guy who's like not an elite defender. But his versatility and the fact that he is at least average, I would say, at all these positions that he plays, he's not going to cost you any games out there. Like, he's not going to make stupid mistakes. He's got a couple of errors this season. One was on that third base when he just boofed a ball off his glove, but he still got the glove on it. It wasn't a throwing error. Um, he does have one throwing error as well, too, where he did pull Vladi off the base, but I don't know if they're going to get the guy at first anyway. Um, but, yeah, I think he's just the kind of guy who gives you consistent at-bats every time. Um and he's, he's an anchor at the top of that lineup. When you're getting on base at the 373 clip, you're setting the table for guys like Bo and guys like Teoscar and Vladdy and Rowdy behind you to put up damage because you're on the base pass. You're wreaking havoc on pitchers because they know you haven't been caught stealing, so they're thinking about it. Uh, he, he goes about his business super quietly. And I think the fact that we have this kid locked up for so long under team control, and hopefully for a longer term after that, um, He's he's maybe our most valuable player just in the sense that we know that we will get at-bats from every day and we can put him anywhere on the field. Do you want to know what's really interesting? If you look at his 162-game average, mm-hmm. I know like he hasn't played 162 games. Yeah. And there's one more player I want to talk about before we're done today. Sure. But 
look at it. Uh, look at Kavan's 162 game average. The dude would hit 24 home runs and steal 21 bases. I love a 2020 player because yeah. it shows versatility. The batting average will uptick. Uh, his 162 game average is 240. He'll certainly hit better than 240 over his career. It's going to happen. His OBP mm-hmm. is almost certainly going to be higher than 367 if his batting average improves, which it absolutely will. Because remember, he's 25 years old. He's still a kid, yep. you know, relatively speaking. Uh, and another thing that really impresses me is that his 162-game average, 34 doubles. He has the same yep. power that Vladdy has, except uh, I believe his uh, launch angle is a little bit more favorable. So he's not hitting those yeah. piss missiles. He's hitting, you know... He's out there crushing the ball. And I think that Kavan has the power to hit 30 home runs. Yeah, let's let's not forget that the dude finished fifth in Rookie of the Year voting last year in the American League in 100 games. Yeah, um, he finished higher in Rookie in the League voting than Vladdy did. And Bo, too. And, yeah, and Bo. Because Bo got hurt, so they didn't vote for him at the end of the year. But I, I think not, I, 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 could, I could be wrong there. But, uh, but yeah, like it's, it's, it's crazy that... Um, yeah, Bo didn't have any voting for Rookie of the Year last year, so yeah, I was right. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, he's he's been incredibly valuable in the fact that he he not only has he not been um, he hasn't missed any time, knock on wood, uh, but he's also just been productive as hell in the game and, and where he's at, when he's in games. He might not hit all the time, but he's gonna take his walks. So that's that's why. Who else do you want to talk about? There's one more player I want to talk about, and this is sort of an interesting case because they did not play the entire season with us, but a lot has to be said about the presence of Taiwan Walker uh, in relation to how successful this team has been, because without Taiwan Walker, I don't know that out of those four five starts, you know, we necessarily take uh, any of those wins. Uh, yeah, he got beat up pretty bad against the Yankees, but he walked away with only one earned run because of that the That was Derek Fisher's fault. <laughs> yeah, which is probably the last time we'll ever see Derek Fisher in a Jays uniform. Oh, please, God. Unfortunately, he got hit by a pitch in BP, which I've never heard of my entire well, life. It was, it was Matt Shoemaker, a live BP, and, and, and yeah, he and, hit him on the knee. It knocked, it knocked, him, it knocked him onto the 10-day IL, and he's not on the playoff roster. So no. Crazy, but getting back to Taiwan Walker, uh, just the presence that this guy has, it's just, it's, he's very impressive. Uh, he goes out there, he does his thing, he's very animated. Uh, he's got great stuff. I love it. Um, I've talked about wanting him on the team for years. And, you know, even though it's small sample size, there's that phrase again. He's still got one start left, doesn't he? Before the, he starts tonight. Yeah, he's pitching tonight. Yeah, and he's off to a good start so far. Uh, we won't get into the weeds about what's going on right now, uh, but he's he's off to a good start. Um, I'm not saying he's the MVP, but if I had to pick, like, uh, second place MVP uh, that wasn't a hitter, Taiwan Walker has been a, a wonderful surprise. And I I hope that the organization sees that and pays him the money to keep him around. Cause you, can you imagine paying him the money and keeping him around? So we've got a one, two of Ryu Walker, and then let's get Nate Pearson some more experience. Mm-hmm. And Nate would be like our number three. And then obviously that would push shoot 
down four. Chase Anderson, I don't know where I he's going to Hopefully we can re-sign Robbie Ray. I'd like to see him I'd get like a chance. To do. He's got an opportunity. Um, I'm just like, there's a lot going on with this team. There's a lot of potential. And I love the moves that they made last year and this year at the deadline because they were shrewd. And they also, they gave up very little to get quite a bit. Uh, Mark, yeah. notwithstanding, I respect his choice to sit out the year after hitting that, hitting the necessary amount of innings or whatever it was, uh, so he could be a free agent. Because obviously he wants to go sign in New York uh, to be a Yankee, rather. Um, but like, I, I just see Walker as like a guy who, you know, not only we need, I, I just think we should want, we should want this guy on our roster. Yeah, I think we may make a case to get him back. Well, if we if we lose out on him, I won't be heartbroken, but definitely make an attempt to bring him back. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, just one, one last thought for you, Justin. Danny Jansen, one for one tonight so far with an RBI. Uh, he's pulled his average up to 193, so he's pushing to get over the Mendoza line before the Let's end go. of the Let's go. Let's go, Danny. I know. It's it's hard not to cheer for this guy. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez is pushing uh, to get to 300. <laughs> hey, man. Like, Danny Jansen was our uh, Clemente Award nominee. So um, the dude hasn't let his on-field struggles affect his defense, or I guess his hitting struggles affect his defense, or the fact that he's just a good human being. So good on you, Danny. But we're going to wrap up today. Um, just a reminder, you can find us on Apple on iTunes there. You can guys on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio. We're on Anchor. That's where we host the show. Shout out to the guys at Blue Jays Aggregator. And uh, show it, we made a list of uh, Blue Jays podcasts. We finished number four on a list of top 15 Jays podcasts. This random blog site tweeted at us that we had finished fourth. So good, off, good for us. A little uh, pat on the back after doing this for two, almost two and a half years now. God, the time flies. Um, around 97 episodes as of today, Patrick. So we're getting real damn close to the big magic number that we shot for at the beginning, which was 100. But uh, we're going to wrap up today with a song in honor of our young Mexican on the team, Alejandro Kirk. You'll know it when you hear it. For Patrick, I'm Justin Anderson. We will see you soon. We'll be back on Monday with a playoff preview. Talk to you then.